0: The sword of Christian theology and the shield of apologetics while taking truth into the arena of ideas. You are listening to the Bellator Christie podcast brought to you by VillatorChristi.com. Now join your hosts, Brian Chilton and Curtis Evelo, as we enter into the arena of ideas. The Word of God reads, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This comes from Matthew chapter 6. Verse 21, this is the Word of God.
1: Taking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of Christian apologetics while taking the truth into the arena of ideas. This is the Bellator Christie Podcast. My name is Curtis Evalo and I'm joined by Brian Chilton as we answer your most pressing apologetic and theological questions of the day. Well, hello everyone. We've been praying for you. Uh, spring's on its way. Uh, winter's over. Praise, Praise spiritually, God. <laughs> spiritually and seasonally, yeah. Um, so, so it's it's something it's always unique to me to see spring coming and the the green buds of things and little grass blades coming out and you just get a chance to hear the birds start coming in and chirping and and so on and the days are getting longer you're starting able to get out and, and enjoy the the air and stuff and and uh, it's something that we get to see new life happening and especially here at the ranch we get to see uh calves being born new life coming on um and it's a joy it's such a joy to see that because um it it almost connects us closer to god by just seeing the spring come in um we don't like winter spiritually i hate being in winter when god's not talking and god's not doing doesn't seem like you're getting anywhere but there's always a springtime coming Amen. So remember that as, as spiritually as we walk through uh, this life with with God as our as our pilot and and leading us along. Um, just remember we are going to have seasons of winter, uh, but uh, spring's always the next one coming. So enjoy it and get out and sit, uh, get out and enjoy some of the sunshine coming in. So well, let's welcome on Brian Chilton. You probably heard him back there in the back, and he's giggling, laughing. <laughs> So well, certainly, um, I would never, never
0: laugh right. or giggle,
1: right? Right? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So, Brian, we have uh, two questions we need to interact with uh, from the website. Sure. Um, and one of them is from uh, uh, Apple Mango. Do you happen to have that full question? I know it was very short.
0: Yeah, let me pull um, it up real quick. I think it was a question at uh, dealing with doubt. Um, right. It was. Uh, I think it basically asked the question: How do you deal with doubt? Uh, let me pull it up mm-hmm. here really quickly. Uh, here we go. And we're a little slow today. Um. Uh, yeah. How should we deal with doubts as Christians? Uh, so I would. I would essentially <clears throat> first of all say that you need to identify what type of doubt you have, and this isn't always the easiest thing to do, uh, but there are um, several different kinds of doubt. Uh, There's intellectual doubt, and this is doubt over certain specific details in Scripture, maybe some belief that's taught about God, or the resurrection, or the reliability of Scripture, Uh, There, and then there's also um, emotional doubt, and... um, this this type of doubt is maybe some hurt that you've experienced in life, um, something that's happened, you know, something that's happened to you. Maybe God didn't come through for you the way you think He should have. Um, that this mm-hmm. would be considered emotional doubt, and then there's volitional doubt. Uh, there is uh, this type of doubt is uh, when you're doing something that the, the, the Bible says that you shouldn't do, and then you know you you doubt whether or not the bible is true in this well really that's the easiest to answer because that's honestly conviction uh you know we we know that it's wrong to do whatever we're doing this opposes the word of God and so we want to make an excuse for it um, mm. intellectual doubt I think is uh is is in the middle it depends on the type of uh the type of um, question being answered, I mean, obviously there are are difficult questions out there and it takes time to move through those questions intellectually. I think the most difficult form of doubt quite frankly, is also the form of doubt that most people have, and that's the emotional form where um, maybe you suffered some type of loss, maybe something happened where um, you feel that God failed you in some sense. Um, This type of doubt really deals more with the moral Issues, ethical issues of the faith, and quite honestly, sometimes there there aren't any easy answers. Uh, we, why is it that you know individuals who would be good parents can't have children? Um, why is it that some people are taking in the prime, taking in the prime of their life? Um, to answer these questions, I think sometimes I don't know that we can really answer these questions as much as just trust in God's goodness. Uh, when we come across things we don't understand, go back into the things we do understand about God and His nature. So, th- hopefully, that'll be that'll be some somewhat beneficial. I mean that that in and of itself right. could be its own podcast.
1: Right. Yeah, and and you know, um, we don't know what what form of doubt you know, is, is going on with Apple mango, but Hey, you know, we appreciate the question and we, and I understand, you know, it, it is a safe atmosphere. You can ask whatever questions you need to here, And if it is a a theological doubt, man, fire away. Um, we'll help, we'll help you out. If it's, if it's emotional doubt, um, we'll be praying for you. We'll be helping you out that way. Well, one thing I can tell you is I have suffered all of those. Hmm at either one time, you know, singly or, or, uh, or multiple of them all at the same time. And boy, if that isn't a hit, um, but I can tell you when I'm intentional with my prayer life and when I say, you know, I've had enough and I'm intentional with, with spending some time, the other thing is, um, that sounds crazy, but you wouldn't think uh, a cowboy like me would be, be doing it, but crank up the radio find good worship songs and i just start worshiping god as i'm driving to work or god driving around or wherever i'm going and it might look a little silly but you know part of me is like i don't care because um you know i just there's there's something about spending time just in worship just Mm -hmm. spending time recognizing who we are who we are and who he is and what he's done and and uh there's something about worship that connects us, you know. As far as you know, like that. I mean, there's multiple levels of worship, multiple types, you know. Even praying, even doing this podcast is a form of worship. But, but uh, certainly, but 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 getting getting connected, um, your heart connected with God, and and cry out to Him, God. I don't know what's going on in my heart, um, you know, and just. Uh, Repent from some, you know, some things. Maybe you got some thoughts and some actions that you've done. Maybe you, you know, maybe you're mean, mean to the cashier at Home Depot. I don't know, <laughs> um, but, but it, it's it maybe comes to get Lowe's instead. Yeah, Lowe's. <laughs> I tell you what, uh, they're right across the street in our place, so in our town, so, but. Just, just spending time worshiping, I think, is probably the biggest, one of the biggest ways to uh, connect your heart back to God. I I agree
0: with everything Curtis said, and just to add, just one brief little, uh, little comment, And and I, I like the practical ideas that you presented there, Curtis. And um, it just came to me just to give some practical ideas about how to deal with with the three forms of doubt. As you mentioned, with volitional doubt, I, th- I think you definitely need to to, to be honest with yourself and, and go back and say, hey I may be doing something wrong it may not be God it may not be the Bible that's wrong it may be mm-hmm. that I'm doing something wrong um, With intellectual doubt you know as you mentioned you know listen to Bell tour Christie podcast you know read books on the issues of, uh, of apologetics uh, widely. You know, and and in uh, discuss with people who've studied apologetics in the know uh, these different issues. You because know, and it takes time. I mean, it's not like you're going to have all the easy answers in, in a tweet or, or a Facebook post. Yeah. It'll you know it takes time. And then when it comes to the emotional doubt, uh, as as Curtis mentioned, you know, take time to worship, take time to breathe as well. And this is something as we're going through uh, issues of anxiety and worry. Um, there's a lot of power in the way we breathe. In fact, there's even been some research conducted to sh- to show that even ancient prayers were done to control breathing. And so our bodies try to trick us, the devil tries to trick us, and we'll sometimes hyperventilate. Well, by taking our time focusing on God, breathing just breathing the way we're supposed to, deeply, and then just just focusing on Him, it may not provide all the answers to the problems we're facing, but it at least help us cope with with our circumstances. And, um, I mean, there's a lot more we could say on that. Again, this could be its own podcast.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had another one. Another yeah, uh,
0: my friend Jason. He he brought up a question that I thought would be good for the podcast and and folks. Let me just say here at this juncture um, that that this is just a simple overview. This could quickly, as we were talking about beforehand this could this could easily be its own podcast and um, series series of podcasts. <laughs> um, so the question is. Let me pull this up. Um,
1: In fact that might not be a bad bad uh, series of podcasts.
0: It, it might not. Get so,
1: a young Earth, young Earth creationist on, and an old Earth on, huh? Exactly. Well, I'm
0: I'm not going to read the question because it's 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 kind of shrouded in some other things here as well. But but the question is, what are some of the big biggest problems facing young Earth creationism and old Earth creationism? Um, l- let me just say here at, at the outset that I think that this is an this is an issue that I think we as apologists have done very poorly, uh, an area where we have treated one another very poorly. Uh, Not all old earth creationists are evolutionists, and not all young earth creationists are fundamentalist Bible thumpers. Um, Both sides have been guilty of... of, um, castigating the other side in very bad terms um for instance young earth creationists will say the old earth creationists are are liberals uh and that's not the case old earth creationists will say um have even said that young earth creationists are embarrassments and are are um don't know their stuff that's also not true um if you're looking at the biggest issues that both sides need to engage, I think the old earth creationist needs to engage the scripture and see whether or not it is justified to hold to seven phases or, or, or seven stages or gap theory or these different theories that exist in old earth creationism. So they, they need to handle theological issues better in their camp. Oh, young Earth creationists have some scientific details they've got to work through. In my opinion, one of the biggest stumbling blocks for young Earth creationists, and this is not to say that there aren't answers out there. I believe that there very well could be. Uh, I think the the issue of the of the speed of light is definitely uh, a detail that uh, that needs to be investigated further. So maybe you are young Earth creationists out there, and you want to do some further studies on this issue. Uh, I think it's well worth research. It's so it's known and it's a standard that light travels at 186,000 miles per second. Well, you multiply that by however many seconds are in a minute. You multiply that by 60 minutes in an hour. That by uh, 24 hours in a day. You multiply that by 365 days in a year, and that's that's the number that gives you what a light year is light travels in a year according to that standard well there are stars the universe is so big that it takes so much time for the light to get here that you have to account for the time that the light gets here um, so it poses a problem um, there also is an issue biblically speaking of you know the passages of scripture where it says a thousand years is as one day a thousand years to us is as one day to God. Can that be? Can that be worked in? I mean, is that does that is that absolutely is it absolutely certain that it has to be seven twenty four hour days? It may be that it is the case in Genesis one, um, mm-hmm. but these are some of the things that need to be worked through. I think on both sides, there there are other issues, but I think these are some in my in my estimation some of the largest challenges for both sides. And, but I would definitely say that both sides need to extend grace to the other and uh, realize that not all old-earthers are liberal evolutionists <laughs> and not all, not all young-earthers are fundamentalist Bible-thumpers. And that's just that's just right. – uh, we're throwing around ad hominems, and I don't think it makes the apologetic community look very well. Uh, when right. We look very good when we do things like that.
1: Yeah, and I I don't know – I know – personally, that I find myself on both sides of that spectrum. I find myself going, yep, it could be that. And then I find myself looking at it, yep, it could be that too. <laughs> and I I don't have a problem. Um, it doesn't, how, how do I put this in, in a way? It doesn't shake my faith mm-hmm. in God, knowing that, you know, We don't know every single thing about him. It tells us in Scripture that it's to the glory of God to hide things. Mm, The hiddenness of God. Yeah, it's to the glory of kings to search those out. Well, if we're to search them out, it doesn't say to search them out and find them 100% and solve them, but to search them. And as we search, could it be that God creates more and more questions in our own minds in our own in our own walk with Him in this? And I, I really, I really think that we need to be before we're apologists, before we're old Earth creationists, young Earth creationists, before we're any of that. We need to be ministers of the heart to mm-hmm. each other, mm-hmm. and 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 create an atmosphere that, um. Create an atmosphere that that we can actually we can actually have conversations where we don't have animosity towards each other in these things. I just think it's a shame. I think you know the outside world's looking in, saying, "Well, look at those guys; can't even figure out what they're talking about," and yet we don't we don't give that grace like you were talking. And I think that's, I think that's sad and it's important we should do.
0: There's one last thing I'll say on this, and I guess we need to move on to, well, we've got another issue we need to talk about before we use newsworthy item before moving on the podcast. One of the things I've learned in chaplaincy ministry that has really been beneficial to me um, in, in ministry all across the spectrum is a tactic known as active listening. And mm-hmm. that's to truly listen to what the other person's saying. A lot of times when we're in conversation, what we'll do is we'll listen to what another person says, but we won't be listening. But we're automatically thinking of what we're going to say back. And if you get a bunch mm-hmm. of guys together around a potbelly stove at a, at a shop somewhere, uh, you know a lot of bull is out there. <laughs> if you've been around it, you know one guy's telling a story and the other person he's that not listening. Up
1: all the time. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And nothing wrong with that. But you know, if you think about it, you know, one guy's telling a story, and the other guys, the other guys aren't listening. They're trying to think, well, how do I one up this story? How do I tell something even more Mm -hmm. outlandish than this story? And a lot of times, unfortunately, we enter into conversations with the same mentality. Where I think, Mm -hmm. as apologists, we need to step back a little bit and and practice better listening skills to see where the person's coming from. Um, And it may be that we still find a Big disagreement with the person, uh, but that doesn't mean that we need to break mm-hmm. fellowship if it's if it's not something that is, um, if it's not something that is going against the the uh, primary doctrines of the faith found in the Apostles' Creed. Um, Right. That, that's you know if, if there's something if a person's saying Jesus isn't the Son of God, and you know, we still need to listen to them, see see where they're coming from, and, and prayerfully give a, you know give a response after having practiced active listening and prayerfully considering our response. but still yet, uh, I think a lot of issues we debate uh, we can still be within the family of God uh,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Now as long as it's not going against something, that's a primary doctrine in that sense
1: right yep yeah and there's some there's some great uh information out there there's um you know you got uh, reasons to believe um they have great information and in, in their are old earth and then there's uh um is genesis history that's another that's actually a youtube channel that they go in and they talk about some really interesting things and you know I, I can see both sides of it. Um, yeah, Answers I, I, in
0: Genesis is you know. another one. Ken Ham's ministry; he's a, yep. a big yeah, young you earther, go. you know. and So there, yep. there are there are some there are some powerhouses on both sides uh, mm-hmm. of of the spectrum. And but to me, I think that to me, more important than the age of the universe, and I'm not saying it's not important, but to me, the the bigger issue is did God do it? To me, that is yep. the central question in Genesis chapter one.
1: Yep. Yeah. so unfortunately we have news of another fallen Christian apologist you want to go ahead and touch on that
0: yeah so uh, yeah Curtis you sent me word of this I, I, I actually hadn't heard about this until uh, maybe the past hour or two uh, this comes from sidein Bruggencott site uh, Bruggencott is a presuppositional apologist Uh Hardcore Calvinist in the Presbyterian Church. And this comes from his own Facebook page. He says... It is with great sadness that I must inform you that I have been guilty of moral failure and will no longer be involved in public ministry. I have spoken with the elders of my church, and they have determined that my sin disqualifies me from the ministry. That means I will no longer be involved in teaching, preaching, or apologetics. I am sorry for the shame my sin has brought upon the name of Christ and for the hurt I have caused. Please pray for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is an example of... I don't know Cy Ten I'm not a presuppositional apologist, so I'm not very familiar with uh, all of his works and all of his ministry. But you have to say, you have. I think you have to say, you've got to admire the man um, mm-hmm. for at least owning the, the sin that he committed and asking for prayer, asking for forgiveness. That speaks volumes. And so uh, before we cast stones at him, uh, now we, we were on here a few weeks ago talking about Ravi Zacharias. It seems that that there was a different flavor, a different uh, mentality with with the situation there than it is from here. Doesn't change the fact that there was sin committed, doesn't change the fact that uh, that what happened happened, but still yet, um, I think that uh, this is what this is what repentance looks like. Uh, no one else came out with this. He did. And he asks for forgiveness and apologizes for any hurt he caused. That's what yeah. genuine repentance looks like.
1: Right, right. Yeah, so let's all just uh, say a prayer for him and pray for him and keep him in your prayers. And, and um, you know, maybe this is something that he's, uh, you know, we don't know. I mean, could could it be something that down the road God could use him for or many other things, you know, who knows? Sure, absolutely. Um, but, you know, we, we, we pray for them, and we want to honor that at least. So on our podcast, which we're already a ways behind, <laughs> and I don't know if because of, of the depth of these ones here, I'm not sure we're going to get all the way through them, but we can certainly try. Um, we left off last week on the Sermon on the Mount, um, we left off from Matthew uh, 6, and we ended there in 18. And so now we're jumping into Matthew 6, um, 19 through 24. And Jesus has some some real, um, you could say, I don't want to say controversial, but real um, words for living a life... Um, Pointed to him, and what does that actually look like? And uh, so, um, why don't we go ahead and read uh, Matthew six nineteen through twenty four, and then we'll go sure. ahead and start getting into the questions.
0: Couple of points. i, I and this is actually research I'm doing for my dissertation. I came across some writings from Joachim Jeremias, and he actually dealt with a Sermon on the Mount and some of the uh, writings, and and the model prayer, the uh, Lord's prayer. Mm-hmm. And he said there are reasons for believing that the Sermon on the Mount is something comparable to a Christian catechism of sorts. Oh, man. And that, see it. This, that Jesus is presenting what kingdom living is supposed to be like. This is, this is what happens after a person enters into the New Covenant. This is what kingdom living looks like. So he says in verses 19 through 24, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, Where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So the light within you is darkness, how deep! If the light of, within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, since he will either hate the one or love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Mammon, in essence, he's saying here, you cannot serve both God and the world. Uh, you've got to choose, this is Joshua tells us, you got to choose this day who, who you're going to serve, who you'll serve.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, what does Jesus mean by storing up treasures in heaven, as compared to treasures on earth?
0: Well, I, I think he's talking about, uh, in this sense, um, he's essentially talking about what you're living for. Uh, are, are you living for the things of this world, or are you living for uh, the the things of God? Um, mm-hmm. it, it, this this is this is a uh, if you're if you're living for God, you're going to do things that's going to honor God. And for instance, he's already been talking about these what these treasures look like. It means doing something good for someone just because it's good out of your love and compassion for the individual, even if no one's seeing. If you're going to pray, pray in, in your secret closet, not to be seen of individuals, but to be seen by God. The motivation, the key motivation behind this is uh, the end result. who are you trying to please? Are you trying to please God, or are you trying to please other people? Uh, Where do you find your identity? And so I think that's the main focus of what he's not only talking about here, but what he's been talking about in this entire chapter.
1: Mm -hmm. So I'm going to throw you off. (laughs) It's not not that difficult to do. (laughs) Is Jesus talking about tithing in the church?
0: I don't think so. Uh, I mean, this could be this could be involved in storing up treasures uh, for the sure. kingdom of God. I mean, it can certainly be include that, but I don't think this is a direct command to to tithe. I mean, tithe, the word tithe means ten percent, and yeah. you know, a tenth. So, um, but I, I don't think that that's what he has in mind here. Again, it can be included, but I don't think that that is the primary focus of what he's talking about. Mm-hmm.
1: So, uh, is Jesus telling us not to save or prepare for retirement?
0: No, absolutely not. So, so uh, here again, the, the main focus is, he's talking about where your treasure is, there your heart be also, will be also. And, and we've got to have a question a little later, I think, that will we'll address this as well. Um, what you find in this teaching and in, in, in the teachings of Jesus, is human action enshrouded within divine sovereignty. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll get more into this with some of the que- the further questions that we go through in the podcast. But... Um, we do have our responsibility to take care of our family. Paul tells us that a person who doesn't take care of his family uh, is worse than an unbeliever, you know, then that's and that's mm. a very powerful statement. I think Jesus expects us to care for the needs of our home. A lot of his parables even indicate that. Uh, but but the question is, you know, we obviously need to work. We obviously need to care for the needs of our family, but, we do this with the expectation, with, with the understanding that God is the one who ultimately provides us the ability to work. He provides us the ability to do these things. Uh, I mean, I, I don't even know that that would even been been a question uh, in in antiquity because everyone knew that if you don't farm, you don't work in the field, You don't, you know, you don't do the things you need to do. Where food is scarce, you're not going to eat. You know. <laughs> if you don't yeah. raise food you're not going to eat you know so oh man uh, how
1: simple it was
0: yeah absolutely <laughs> so uh so yeah i i think that the saving up for retirement saving up i mean jesus even gives the the example of a parable of uh, a person who builds a house preparing to build a house on on rocky ground as compared to the one who built a house on shifting sand one Built on a you know proper location, had a good foundation. The other one didn't. So you know th- this isn't to say that we're not supposed to prepare for the future. We're not supposed to to do these things. It's just telling us that ultimately we need to focus on building up treasures in heaven rather than only rather than focusing merely on on human um, on, on worldly pleasures and and uh, possessions.
1: Yeah. So in this portion of the Sermon on the Mount, what would Jesus' audience be doing or thinking that he would be confronting with these statements during this time?
0: You know, he, if you go back to what he's already saying in chapter 6, th- they would have in mind already the, the Jewish leadership and the way they, um, the way they behaved. Uh, think A lot of things were done for show. A lot of things were were done to uh, present oneself as a holy individual, but Jesus is saying, you know, where your treasure is, there your heart be also. if you're living for public praise, well, once you get the public praise, well and good, you have it, but then that's it. But if you're working Hmm. for the praise of God, if you're working for the, well, of course, we have the approval of God being justified by God through the atonement, but if you're working to please God, then you're building up things. You're working to to satisfy the Creator, who sees in secret and who will ultimately reward you publicly. there's a lot to be said for humility in this. That we're not trying to bring fame and popularity upon ourselves. We're we're working to glorify God, and I think essentially that's what He's talking about. And clearly, in the end, you know, people would have had the Jewish leaders. In their minds, when they, as he's teaching these things.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, it's it's interesting because as we go through the Sermon on the Mount, you if if you've re- read through it enough times, I mean, you start questioning what was what was the audience like? What were the, how were they how were they taking it in? What was going on in their mind? And I know, in, in for me, that's that's how I kind of think about some of this stuff as as Jesus is talking and preaching and walking and healing people and things going on and I mean um, you just you just wonder and I mean some of the comedy you know mm-hmm. Zacchaeus climbing a little tree and just <laughs> I mean it just just things like that there's a bit of yeah I have a little bit of humor and I <laughs> and so when I see some of this stuff I wonder. What was and how were they taking it, you know? And so that's good. I appreciate you answering that like that. Well, so and, it's, and one, it's
0: good. One one additional add on to that, I came, you know, I came across some information this in, in some of my studies, you know, for the dissertation. That's very fascinating. That, that I hadn't considered when you brought up the audience, it made me, my mind go back to this. Mm-hmm. Most people would not have been involved in the work at the temple. Everybody adored the temple, everybody knew that that was the house of God But only a few priests were able to go inside Only one priest was able to go into the innermost sanctuary
1: The Holy of Holies
0: right. Women were not allowed in past the courtyard of, of women which it was. So the men could yeah. even go further in there than what the women could And Gentiles right. were not even yeah. allowed that far uh,
1: Yeah, the Gentile court and then the women's court And then the men could go in further yeah, so if you
0: if you are an individual, say you're a believer in God, you know you believe, you know you trust in God, but you see these high ranking individuals who are able to go into some of these places, who are acting ungodly, and so obviously you'd have to if you're a person living this time, you'd have to wonder, you know, what's this about? You know, these are individuals who are supposed to be closest to God, but yet they're putting on a show. Yeah. So I yeah. think the same thing is happening even today in our in our in our church. We see a lot of times pastors and leaders who are trying to present themselves as the best thing since sliced bread. But people are stepping stepping back and thinking, Okay, wait a minute, is that person trying to glorify himself or is that person trying to glorify God? And it's a question I mm-hmm. think we all need to ask ourselves.
1: Yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah. So, what is meant by the eyes? The eye is the lamp of the body, and how does a person's eye keep them healthy?
0: Great question. Let me uh, see if I can pull this up here. I had a note here. Yes, yeah, so this says, in one of the commentaries I have, the eye is the lamp of the body in the sense that through the eye, the body finds its way. Uh, the eye lets in light, so the whole body is illuminated. It's it's one's uh, way of viewing the world. Bad eyes let in no light, and the body is in darkness. The it, it's it, in the commentator here, and this is the uh, Expositor's Bible Commentary says the light within you seems ironic. Those with bad eyes who walk in darkness think they have light, but this light is in reality darkness. So think about this in two different ways. In one sense, a person, uh, you know, what you look at impacts your life, what you consume, what you take in. Um, Mm -hmm. When you're reading, what type of things are you reading? You're consuming these things. When you're watching television, you're you're consuming certain things. Um, All of this... Too much nowadays. Exactly. All of this is taking from the outside world through the eyes into the inner man. Okay? Okay. So if you're taking in bad things, it's going to have an effect on your inner man. If you're taking good things, you, it's going to have an impact on your inner man. So what are you feeding yourself? Are you feeding yourself the things from God, or are you feeding yourself the things of the world? Now, ironically, as we look through the story of Jesus, we see that there were some there were individuals who were blind who had greater spiritual sight than those whose eyes were good. So the okay. so this, there's an essence here of spiritual sight. Um, it's, it's talking about a heart set on God. Uh, the, the good eye is the one who is, uh, has, has one's eye set on God who's trying to work for the Lord. The one who has the bad eye is the one who's simply trying to work for the world for public fanfare, praise, and things of this nature. And so um, the bad eye uh, will, in... Um, uh, sometimes even referred as the evil eye, can can refer to miserliness and selfishness. So Jesus is essentially saying that the man who divides his interests and tries to focus on God and possessions has no clear vision and will live without clear orientation. The person, and, and he says that... Um, uh, so in other words focus on the things of God rather than merely the things of the world. Again, he's not saying that we shouldn't work hard and we shouldn't provide for the needs of our family. He's just saying, let the focus of your life be on the things of God rather than the things of the world. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So, do you think he was bringing in thoughts from like Proverbs and Ecclesiastes?
0: Oh, most certainly.
1: I don't have the... Um, the scripture's pulled up right now, but... Uh, so, like, like I, I had just kind of been thinking and looking at it. It's like uh, Proverbs one four uh, 28, 27, and then uh, Ecclesiastes 2.14. I can read them. Sure, yeah, that'd be great if you don't mind. So, Proverbs twenty one four, Haughty eyes and a proud heart, the lamp... Of the wicked are sin and then uh, proverbs 28 uh, 27 whoever gives to the poor will not want but he who hides his eyes will get many a curse and then uh, ecclesiastes um, two fourteen. 14 uh, the wise person has his eyes in his head but the fool walks in darkness, and yet I perceive that the same event happens to all of them.
0: Yeah, especially that first passage you read from the Proverbs. I yeah. think there is a correlation between, in fact, I think there's a lot of correlations between Jesus' message on the Sermon on the Mount and the book of Proverbs, but but that is a very clear link in my estimation, uh, in that Jesus is telling us to look on spiritual things. Even in you know, it's talking about the research that I've had this past week. Interestingly, the uh, Lord's Prayer, "Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven." The port where it says, "Give us this day our daily bread," may have been focusing on the manna of God. Speaking mm. of the fact that that. That God you know that Christ is the bread of mm-hmm. life God is our bread of life he provides mm-hmm. that spiritual food from heaven which also provides provision on earth as well so there's a dual link perhaps in the Lord's prayer and that provisional point
1: mm-hmm I mean i I guess you know for me <laughs> <laughs> um, in, uh, growing up in the, in the Catholic school and, and being part of the Catholic church as I was growing up, this was almost, uh, I think it was part of the, the Catholic catechism as, as the young, uh, you know, wanting to get into altar boy and so on and so forth. And, and, uh, I, I can tell you there's something about that prayer that, that just rocks you. Um, I know there's people all the time that say, well, how can the Lord be praying? You know, it's not the Lord's Prayer. It's the, you know, sinners or saints or whatever, you know, however they want to say it. But it's classified historically and classically thought of as the Lord's Prayer. And And
0: furthermore, to add to that, in the early church, there's good evidence to suggest that this was a prayer that was only prayed by people in the church after they entered in the new covenant, so this was all, 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 from my from my understanding. From what I've read this past week, I have mean, come across some interesting information this past week. But apparently, it seems like that after a person, a, a person was baptized on the eve of Easter, uh, then you know, I, I believe communion was celebrated on Easter, and this mm-hmm. prayer was prayed by individuals who entered the church. This this is this is a way of indicating their. Uh, devotion to Christ and their connection to the church.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because we kind of talked about that a little bit last week in the reverence and the awe of of uh, of, of some of this, you know, some of the liturgical type yeah. things that just kind of brings in a, a different sense uh, to the whole thing. But um, I can tell you, I'm not going back. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I
0: think you can be. I think you can be liturgical. I think you can be respectful without having to go through. Mm-hmm. You know the things that you're talking about. I, I think that I think there is a a reverential awe. I think that there are certain prayers we can mm-hmm. pray that's beneficial mm-hmm. to us, and you know, but we don't have to go extreme. I mean, there's obviously some moderation yeah. with all things.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No kidding. So, if we aren't careful with our eyes, what does that potentially do to our soul?
0: Well, it has a huge impact. I mean, I dare say, I mean, if there couldn't have been a better time for us to talk about this issue, because mm. you know, and I'm challenged on this, I think all of us are, about being careful about what we consume. Uh, and I'm not talking about food, I'm talking about intellectually, spiritually, because um, we can be impacted. You know, God is an God is a producer in essence. We are a consumer. We consume things, and um, and it impacts our soul. So, you know, Jesus even tells us that to hold lust in our hearts, the same as committing adultery, hold hatred in our hearts, the same as murder. So when we allow bitterness and lust and all of these different things to take a stranglehold on our lives, then it can it can lead to very bad ends if we let it take root. So um, I think that it's it's... You know, with with the fall of Ravi and Sidon Bruggenkot, uh, I think this should serve as a warning to all of us to be careful. Uh, there's even like a little saying that you used to say that uh, be careful little eye what you see, be careful little ear what you hear, be careful little tongue what you say. Uh, in essence, telling us to be careful what we take in because mm-hmm. it can impact uh, the way we live, the way we talk, the way the way we even believe. You know, it, it has several different impacts on us.
1: Mm-hmm. And you know, okay, so so we're we're sitting here talking about this as far as be careful what we take in. And we know, you and I know, and maybe those around us and our influence know, but there are there are um, people out there that take it to the extreme and and almost become pharisaical about oh, yeah. it. And then there's others that become um, pretty liberal about it. And, and, and so can we kind of touch a little bit on that just, just briefly, of what that, what that may look like?
0: I think you have to, when you're viewing something or you're consuming something, um, look at what result it produces in you. Consider mm-hmm. the emotions that you have. I mean, for instance, I used to listen to heavy metal music uh, and I'm not saying it's a yeah, sin. I knew it. I <laughs> knew it.
1: I knew you had a little long hair in you.
0: <laughs> I have a little long hair. It's in my, it's in my oh, nose. It's in my nose. But
1: <laughs> I don't. I don't have it anymore on the top of my head. It, I used to have a mullet back in the day, but. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you know, yeah, I, I like rock music. I mean, there's something about, especially yeah. classic rock. But yeah. there was there was a phase I went through where I listened to heavy metal music, and then you know for some reason I had an attraction to it in my in my early well, see what was it early two thousands. But I started noticing that as I was listening to this music, and I'm not saying it, you you may listen to it; it may not affect you the same way. Uh, it's like caffeine. Some people are affected by high doses of caffeine, and some people can dr- you know drink Maybe. espressos it and it not bother them right If when you listen to this music it produces anger in you and mm-hmm. I was getting angry as I was listening to this music and I was wanting to mm-hmm. go punch something and I had to stop and ask myself you know is it <laughs> what is this doing to my emotional state? I, I think we right. have to ask ourselves I, th- I think that's why we need to all evaluate ourselves, evaluate our lives and see, What these different things we consume, what it produces in us. My wife has even told me, whenever I spend an adequate time with God in the Word of God, that that I have a better disposition about me than I do when I when I don't. Um, So I think that's that's very telling, you know, that that the word studying the Word of God, uh, being in communion with God, produces good results in us. you know, the same is not true with everything. And I think we have to mm-hmm. see what type of emotional response, what type of spiritual impact these things are playing on us. And again, we don't want to become pharisaical. Uh, we don't want to look for demons under every rock, but we do need to evaluate ourselves, evaluate our lives, and see what these different things are doing. It's kind of like like with an allergy test. Sometimes you have to, if you have an allergy to certain foods, you've got to go through a certain amount of tests to see what foods you're allergic to and which ones you aren't. I think mm-hmm. spiritually speaking, it's the same thing. See what type of effects these different things you consume produce in you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's, that's one practical way we can look at it, and there may be many others.
1: Right. Yeah, and I mean, um, it's okay to take a break away from Facebook for a while, right? Sure, absolutely.
0: And by the <laughs> way, that's a great point, because uh, anyway, we're, we're in the Lenten season, if Facebook is causing you distress, mm-hmm. if Facebook is causing you emotional turmoil, then for heaven's sake, step away from it. You don't have to possess a Facebook account. Or if you do have a Facebook account, maybe you need to take it off your phone. Uh, if, you're, yeah. if you're tempted to constantly go on there, take it off your phone. Uh in, in fact I've, I've known individuals that they've had to step away from Facebook for a while because mm-hmm. it, it impacted them so badly um, mm-hmm. this this is this is very you know true in social media it's very true in, in many things we have in life maybe even take right. a fa- you know technology fast as best as we can but I mean, we can't completely get away from computers but maybe we can step away from it for a little while I mean you know it's right. just evaluating things in life see what type of impact they have on us
1: right. My father-in-law calls calls it space book. (laughs) (laughs) Space (laughs)
0: book. It can definitely cause you to
1: space out sometimes. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, why is it that a person cannot serve two masters? And what does this say about our modern obsessions? So, you know, it's it's, the whole idea, I want to break a myth here,
0: and I'm I'm sorry if it causes distress in people, but multitasking is a myth. In reality, you can only focus on one thing at a time. You may have several things going on at one time. Like right now, I'm talking to you, and I'm looking at one screen, but I have another screen over here. Well, I can't look at this computer screen and this other monitor at the same time you know I, mm-hmm. I may have different things going on but you can only really focus on one thing at one particular time i think what jesus is telling us is that it is impossible to be multitasking between god's kingdom and the world it's impossible mm-hmm. to work for it's impossible to try to please god and at the same time please humanity because if you're working to please humanity guess what You're going to have to alter the standards of God. If you're working to please God, then guess what? Some people may not like you because they're convicted over the things that God says. Uh, Spiritually speaking, the things of God are radically different from the things of the world, as we've seen in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is giving Mm -hmm. us a clear Mm -hmm. ethical stand, the ethical standard of God, and it clearly flies in the face of what the worldly ethical issues are. Are. So this is what Jesus is telling, very, very much akin to what Joshua told the people in Israel. Choose this right. day whom you're going to serve. And that's essentially what Jesus is saying as well. Amen. You can't serve God in the world. Choose which which you're going to serve and go after that. And mm-hmm. the, the results are going to be radically different in a life lived to serve God compared mm-hmm. to a life lived to serve humanity.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, the world! I should say, and that's interesting um, because we spoke a little bit on this last week. Um, you know, as far as uh, let your yeses be yes and your noes be no. Um, this is kind of the same thing. He's like, you need to you need to make up your mind which mm-hmm. which way it's going to be. And um, you referencing um, Joshua. Um, that's a powerful verse and at the end of joshua when he says choose today mm-hmm. who you're going to serve uh, and he's like uh, enough's enough mm-hmm. um, we're not going to flounder around here anymore you you got to make a decision um are you going to go back and worship the the <laughs> lord lowercase g gods that your parents and your ancestors worshiped or are you going to follow yahweh yeah. Um, and, and I think it's important so um, it's kind of a funny segue into that because there's a question I have that's somewhat related to it and it digs into idolatry um, you know um, we know as idolatry starts taking a hold of our heart um, some of us can pick out when we have an idolatrous heart or an idolatrous mindset but um, you know, what does idolatry look like, and um, can it run the gamut uh, of anything in this world?
0: Absolutely, most certainly. Um, mm-hmm. you, I noticed in the notes that you had a passage from Habakkuk. Um, yep.
1: Do, do you have that in front of you? Yeah, Habakkuk 2, uh, verses 18 through 19. I don't have it. I have to dig through it. Well, uh, hold
0: on a second. Let, let give, give, give me just a second to pull it up here on this uh and so that's Habakkuk, what would you say it was? 2? 2 18? Yep,
1: 18
0: through 19. Yep. So l- let me pull this up. Well, if it will, let me pull this up. Ah, <laughs> uh, computers, you gotta love them. All right, so 18 and 19. What use is a carved idol after its craftsman, craftsman carves it? It is only a cast image, a teacher of lies, for the one who crafts its shape trusts in it and makes worthless idols that cannot speak. Woe to him who says to the wood, Wake up, or to mute stone come alive. Can it teach? Look, it may be plated with gold and silver, yet there is no breath in it at all. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let the whole earth be silent in his presence. Verse 20 is powerful. Had to add that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've always loved Habakkuk, but... It's it's interesting to me because we got another passage that I wanted to piggyback with that, and that's in Isaiah Isaiah 44, um, and it's actually verses nine through twenty. So it's a longer section. But I find what was that, it, Isaiah it, Isaiah
0: 44, 44, and what was the verse? Nine through twenty. Let me let me go through here. Okay, let me just. Uh, so, essentially, the first part is basically the same thing. All who make idols are nothing. What they treasure benefits no one. Their witnesses do not see or know anything, so they will be put mm-hmm. to shame. Uh, it goes on to talk about the gods are put to shame. Uh, the the worshippers will be put to shame. The iron worker labors over the coals, shaping it. it goes through the process. Word workers measuring with lines. Um, he cuts down cedars for its use, takes down a cypress or an oak. And so he goes through the whole process, and then um, in in the end, he says, he feeds on ashes, his deceived mind has led him astray, and he cannot rescue himself or say, isn't there a lie in my right hand?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, um, let me kind of go back here, because it's something that I find myself um, uh, talking about with... Uh, with people um, about it. Um, Verse 14, it says, he cuts down cedars or he chooses a cypress tree or an oak and lets it grow strong among the trees of the forest. He plants a cedar in the rain and it nourishes it. Notice he's, God is saying, he plants it in the rain. Mm -hmm. I'm the one watering it, you know. then, Then it becomes fuel for a man. He takes part of it, warms himself, He kindles a fire and bakes bread. He also makes a God and worships it. He makes it an idol and falls down before it. Half of it he burns in the fire. Over half he eats meat. He roasts it and is satisfied. He also warms himself and says, Ah, I am warm. I have seen the fire. And the rest of it he makes a God, his idol, and falls down, worships it. He prays to it and says, Deliver me, for you are my God. And, and it, it goes on, and it, it it's interesting to me how he finishes out the section here where, he, where you just touched on. He feeds on ashes, and is a deluded heart, his deluded heart has led him astray, and he cannot deliver himself or say, is there not a lie in my right hand? It's interesting because as we look at this right here, Brian, how much does that correlate into Romans one?
0: Oh yeah, and, and I think that we as conservative evangelicals need to evaluate our own selves. Mm. You know, we are we easily condemn others who do not hold the same values as we do, and I'm, you know, and and we are t- entitled to have our opinions. Curtis, I am strongly pro-life. Okay. Mm-hmm. My political affiliation is to defend the rights of the unborn, and I make no bones about that. I'm strongly pro-life. But I think that we as conservative evangelicals, we need to check our devotions, keep our devotions in check. I think we have a problem in modern times where we have put more emphasis on our nation than we have on the kingdom of God. I'm not saying we shouldn't be concerned about the things that's going on. I, I, I understand that. But at the same time, my mind goes back to Habakkuk, and it's interesting that you mention the book of Habakkuk. Because the whole story, if you put it in perspective, Habakkuk is sitting at the watchtower, and he's asking God, he's, he's looking at the nation, he sees how decrepit and depraved the nation has has become, and he asks the Lord Lord, are you gonna do something with this land? We our people have, have strayed from, from your commands. We've strayed from being the people you've called us to be. And God speaks to him. He says, I am raising up a nation to bring judgment against your land. I'm raising up the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. And Habakkuk says, Wait a minute, Lord. <laughs> We're bad, I'll grant the you. Babylonians.
1: That. We're, we're bad, but they ain't that bad We're
0: not that bad, you know, what about them? And so this continues the progression If you think about person A, they do something Well, they're judged by person B Person B is judged by person C, so on and so forth But then you come to a point in time where, say, person D is not judged by anybody What happens then? Well, God puts it all in perspective He says at the end At the end of time He's going to rectify all the wrongs So at the end of, of Habakkuk is very fascinating. Let me pull this up right quick because I think this speaks to what faith in God looks like despite the problems we face. Uh, give me just a second. Um, and this is actually going to go into the final section of this chapter which we may have to get into uh, next week. But let me pull in uh, the third chapter here he says something, he said he basically says, I'm going to go on the watchtower and I'm going to wait for you to move in this. And he, and he says, um, verse 17, Though the fig tree does not bud and there is no fruit on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though the flocks disappear from the pen and there are no herds in the stalls. Now get this, despite all of that, Yet I will celebrate in the Yahweh. Mm. I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord, my Lord, the Yahweh, my Adonai, is my strength. He makes my feet like those of a deer and enables me to walk on mountain heights for the choir director on stringed instruments that, that he closes. Though mm. everything look chaotic, I'm still going to trust in God because I know in the end he's going to make all things right yeah so the benefit in in living for the Lord in a very practical fashion I see it every day I see it all the time when a person is met with crisis that a crisis moment in their lives that doesn't mean they're not going to become concerned doesn't mean we become super stoic where we just don't care that doesn't mean that. Mm. But we're not overcome and crippled by doubt and fear because we know that God is working something good in the end. Stones, uh, ashes, uh, wood, clay, things of this nature that they can't produce the hope that we find in God. So I think, and ultimately, there are very practical, good practical reasons why we should trust in in God and live for God because only He. Can bring us through in the end
1: Mm-hmm. yeah wow well, well you made it not very far <laughs> question so this this is a this is a chapter
0: <laughs> we'll, that won't be conquered <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll get through it i promise folks but this is this is deep rich stuff and i think it's important that we that we actually pull the reins back a little bit and no, kind certainly of, um, drill down where we can and 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 some of these questions I think really um, go after the heart of of how we live our lives, pointed to Christ, and I think it's hard in my own life. I, I know I see faults and things that I do um, in in amongst all of these, and it's a willful choice to continue turning back to God. Mm, and I think absolutely. that's something that we that we need to um, be diligent about. I mean here's one thing that that i know that my my former pastor pastor lynn used to teach us um you know once a year we 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 return to god so it's Teshuvah. you know it's the the celebration of Teshuvah. the hebrew people have have these things to always um point them back but throughout the year they always have Remembrance prayers and remembrance holidays that always keep us back in touch with God to make us think and have a reverence and awe for Him, and I think it's important. And I think we get going in our natural life too too much too fast to where um, we just we don't recognize where God's at, and He's right there with us. He's right around every corner. He's with us everywhere we go but we don't take time and i think that's really kind of a big focus of the sermon on the mount
0: i think you're right and i think the sermon on the mount is deeply in fact if there's one thing that i have learned in this series that that, that we're doing now is just how deeply theologic just how deeply theologically rich the sermon on the mount is i never knew i never saw this before how mm-hmm. deep theological uh, theologically it is, and that theology impacts our ethical behavior the way we live. And oh, it goes sure. back, it goes back to the Lord's Prayer. Uh, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, may your name be made holy through my life. Your kingdom come, bring your kingdom through me, through my actions, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Or as it's decreed in heaven, bring it forth through my life. And this mm-hmm. is what we're seeing in a lifestyle that's theologically focused and centered on God, living out a kingdom lifestyle. We're seeing how this fleshes out practically through our lives on earth as we are ambassadors of God. And one, one other thing I'd like to say on that about talking about the remembrance. John Wesley, in one of his messages, I think he was something like 22 points some of the points I, I can't agree with. Now, you, you probably would, Curtis, because one of them, he, he talks about waking up early in the morning. Yeah, I, I, think you he, I think he went to meddling on that you issue. You're
1: a Christian if you don't do it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you're going to have to just pray for me because, man, I am not a morning person. I'm just telling you. But, but anyhow, a lot of the things he talks about, talks about the self-evaluation we need to have in our lives. And I think he makes a good point in that. I think we need to mm-hmm. as Christians and I think it's part of spiritual disciplines we we need to constantly be observing our walk with Christ and see how we can improve.
1: Mhm. Yeah. And I mean I don't want to get into another tangent but but we talked about music before um just recently you know in the podcast here but to me some of our worship music we have nowadays is, is not theologically rich and Mm. it doesn't, uh, theologically help us have a connection corporately. Um, if, if there's, uh, you know, worship music on the radio and, and so on and so forth and, and songs touch you and things. But I think, I think corporately there's, there's something to be said about who we are and who he is. Um, I I just I just think there's there's something being lost there um as as we go along modernly. I agree. And and it's not just
0: true only can you know if, uh, praise music, excuse me. I think there are some um other songs. Like for instance there's a bluegrass song it said something uh, comparable to just give me a shack in the corner of glory land and I'll be just fine. That's horrible. Yeah. I mean, it's just basically saying, so I'm just going to get in by the skin of my teeth and I'm going to be fine with that. You know, we need to be working for the Lord, you know, right. and I'm sure the intentions were good. I'm sure the intentions were noble mm-hmm. with whoever wrote the song. But still, you know, if you stop and look at it theologically, it's it's a horrible song.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think it's important that we we uh, spend some time, uh, you know, recognizing those things and, and crying out to God to, to help us. Uh, become become theologians in our yeah. own minds with the scriptures. I think that's really important. So, Well, we here at Bellator Christie want to thank you for spending the time together with us, and we value that time. Our prayers at this podcast help stretch your mind and as a place to strengthen your faith as we strive to create an atmosphere of discussion and as a reliable source of information. Join us next time on the Bellator Christie podcast that Brian and I say... So you're
0: fans. You've been listening to the Bellator Christie podcast, brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. Have you ever wondered about the Christian faith, but have become bogged down by difficult terminology? Are you a Christian and faced doubts, and you didn't know where to turn? Maybe your faith has been challenged and you don't know how to respond. Or perhaps you desire to learn more about how to winsomely defend your faith, but you do not have the time nor the finances to enroll in seminary. If any of these situations describes you, then consider purchasing a copy of the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics. This book confronts the challenges facing the Christian faith but does so in a way that is accessible to everyone. The Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics is available in softcover, hardcover, on the Kindle and Nook. Consider purchasing a copy of the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics from your favorite bookstore today. Do you have a question about the Bible, theology, or apologetics that you've always wanted to ask but never felt comfortable asking? If so, we want to encourage you to head over to bellatorchristi.com and submit your question on the Submit a Question link. Your question will be reviewed and may be featured on a future article or podcast. Remember, the only dumb question is the one unasked. So go over to bellatorchristy.com now and submit your question.